Hey, what's up, guys? You are listening to the Bands vs. Artists podcast. This is Patrick. This is Justin. Who? Uh, I'm the other guy All right. that does vocals in Process of Fusion. We're here without Dylan today. We're talking to Garrett Russell of the band Silent Planet. We are so pumped because we saw Thrice last night and went to WoHop. Yes. If you don't know what WoHop is, uh, well, we're not going to tell you. You just got to go to New York City and find out for yourself. It has to do with uh, Asian cuisine at all times of the night. That's all I'll tell you. And they make t-shirts. But anyway, Thrice was amazing. We really love Thrice. Our guest actually loves Thrice, too. And, uh, yeah, that's it. This is a good one. So stay tuned, and uh, that's all I got for you. Yeah, cancel any plans you have for the next hour, because you're going to want to sit down and really savor this one. The Banverse Artist Podcast is brought to you by the Kings of A&R website, a place where musicians and artists alike can go to find out the tastemakers of the industry. Learn something new at Kings of A&R. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Justin and Patrick from the Banverse Artist Podcast, and we are here with Garrett Russell from the band Silent Planet. What's up, Garrett? Hey, guys. How you doing? Good to be, good to be here. It, it's good to have you finally. Um, <laughs> for for our listeners, I've uh, I've interviewed Garrett twice before, and we always have really deep, awesome conversations. So I knew he had to let's join us on again. the podcast. Let's do it again. <laughs> let's let's run it back. Here. Yeah, and and speaking of which, I met you at the PlayStation Theater in the fall, and Patrick and I were there last night seeing Thrice. So it was. It's kind of appropriate timing. Is the PlayStation Theater another word for the Gramercy Theater? No, no. different theater. But the PlayStation okay. Theater used so, so to be the nightclub. we met I think, I believe we were at the Gramercy. Was it Gramercy? I think so, just because I've never been to the PlayStation Theater. Right, um, so maybe I lied, I, but it I, looked exactly the same on the inside. <laughs> yeah, there are seats at Gramercy, too. But, uh, it's yeah, a they got smaller. like an upper deck. Yeah, they have like an upper deck. Yeah. So does the yeah, PlayStation. I... All right, I guess I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you'd probably remember the PlayStation Theater is in Times Square, so I feel like you'd probably remember being in Times Square. I remember the Gramercy. It was in Manhattan. Cool. Yeah. Yes. First time we've ever played in Manhattan. But um, yeah, I I don't know. I don't know much about my New York geography. I did a. Uh, I did skate to the Empire State Building for fun. It's but, cool. But uh, that day, <laughs> it, it's cool, man. Uh, one of the fun things about tour, uh, which doesn't really happen until your band gets a little bigger, to be honest. And I say that because I, I wouldn't be saying this a year ago. But um, because of the uh, the neat tours we've been able to go on, which not really a testament to my band being very cool, but more so a testament to uh, the dudes in four today being awesome. <laughs> but uh, when you get to play bigger venues, you know, you start to really, like, I feel like get a better taste for, like, um, really get a better taste for, like, America. You know what I mean? Because, mm. like, when you're doing the small band thing, you kind of just, like, you know, play a small bar in the middle of nowhere. And it's always, like, it's always in, like, the outskirts of a big city or right. just in mm. some random small town. And then, you know, when all of a sudden, like, for today, super sick and they, like, give you the opportunity to tour with them you're like you know playing in manhattan and just like whoa dude this is like new york new york mm -hmm. you know? um and it's just it's cool it's cool to to you know play or play you know downtown minneapolis and, and really get into cities because because uh we've we've kind of been grinding for so long i feel like we've done but we've seen very much like the country side yeah. of america and now now the city side of america and when we last hung out I was just still getting acquainted to this whole, like, well, you know, there's going to be more than 50 people here, and, you know, there's going to be, like, catering, and, and uh, we're going to get paid at the end of the night, and then all these kind of things that, uh, you know, it's easy to take for granted, I'm sure, but I never want to forget the days of small, low-level touring yeah. when none of that was ever expected or freely given. Right. Yeah. It's, it's funny you say that, too, because... Going back to Thrice, I, I posted about it on Twitter, and one of my coworkers said, I remember Thrice from 15 years ago, he said, I booked them at a local venue, 
at a max capacity of 40 people. <laughs> he said, and the next time I saw them, they were playing in front of 10,000 people. So Jeez. we all, no, we all start somewhere. It is phenomenal. <laughs> it's phenomenal. It, I mean, to be honest, you know, first of all, a band as good as Thrive, second of all, a band as accessible as Thrive to a larger market, and third, um, in, the, in that day and age, when, when honestly being in a band was just better <laughs> than <laughs> it is today for so many reasons, yep. yeah, you would, you would see that happen. You know, uh, our... Um, um, our guitarist, Mitchell, his dad booked Memphis May Fire like a show on like one of their first tours, like in a pizza shop for like 50 <laughs> people. And uh, obviously that band isn't as big as Thrice, or, you know, may- maybe not. Uh, they're, I don't like them quite as much as Thrice, but it's also remarkable to see how they just like shot up. Mm-hmm. Right. And and you guys too are, are getting there, man. From every time that I talk to you, it's, you know, it's maybe about six or seven months <laughs> between conversations and and I see uh, that you guys are are doing quite well right now and getting a lot of recognition in Silent Planet and that's awesome. Well I, I appreciate that. I can I can tell you for sure that, you know, I um you know, I I I've learned the hard way that that this one sort of truth uh is, is, is going to be the case for Silent Planet that I, I believe that we will continue to grow for quite some time but I believe it's going to be one of the more like steady trackable growth you ever see in a band if that makes hmm. sense yeah. um, because of how we're choosing to do things and stuff and you know I don't we don't want like a label or like a cool manager or a cool corporate sponsor to just say hey you guys time to be famous right. and you know crams us down the throats of a few million people um, on the daily until you know you're popular and that's just not really our path i i don't like down on bands who have had that path um and there's a lot of them you know we're, we're on work tour with a lot of those bands too i'm I, i'm very aware that like you know uh they they had that moment of you know someone deciding that hey i'm gonna make you famous that's just not the path that the lord has given us and, and it's cool because i do think it keeps us humble because nothing is ever going to come without sacrifice. And of course, you know, I, I believe, you know, as a Christian that um, there's no love without sacrifice. You know, you don't really know if you love a girl that you're dating or something until, like, you have to really, like, give up something, whether it's, like, time or money or energy, and, and really substantially give up yourself uh, to serve that person. I, I don't know if you know you love them until then, you know? Uh, because love certainly isn't something that happens uh, on our own time. You know, I think love involves what we what we give. You know, um, so anyway, sorry, sorry for this uh, little meandering rant. But no, no, it, long story short, I, I I'm so thankful for the growth, but I'm also excited because it feels it feels honest. It feels faint. You know what I mean? It feels like it's just kind of going to keep coming as we work hard but without the hard work it'll stop and that's good you know i mm-hmm. i, I want to keep having to work hard and keep like figuring out merch designs before every tour and keep you know getting our van checked out and doing all the stuff that we have to do with the group to make this possible yeah did, did you get speaking of vans did you guys have a chance to upgrade the van or you still have the same no, van? uh same same van uh we did actually three days ago buy a uh a new trailer though because um, our trailer I don't know if you remember it's super super funny it said um, it, it had it was it was a, a, a globe it was a world with bulging biceps and it said <laughs> like world bodybuilding all natural and it was the least natural set of biceps I've ever seen <laughs> but it said all natural bodybuilding and it had like a phone number and a supplement company and dude we've had so many funny I, I've had so many conversations with middle-aged men who were like, dude, do you run a gym? Like, do you want to train me? And I'm like, yes. And then I would, like, give them our guitarist number. <laughs> and our guitarist would just be like, why is, like, why is a guy named Fred asking me to teach him how to lift weights? I've never lifted weights a day in my life. And I would just be like, dude, that's weird, man. I don't know. <laughs> and to this day, I don't actually know if they know that, like, Every time I've ever been asked about my company, I'm like, yeah, that number on the trailer's outdated, bro. 
here it is. <laughs> and just like give them someone's phone number. Uh, oh my God. Pretty, See, pretty childish of me, but... Uh, that's amazing. <laughs> no, these are the kind of stories yeah. that you can only get on a podcast. This is perfect. Dude, for sure, yeah. I, I love it, man. <laughs> Podcasts are so much cooler. You know, I think artists are really starting to tend towards like wanting to do podcasts. Because it kind of sucks when, like, you know, you get an interview and someone's like, what's the name of your band? How did you come up with the name of your band? <laughs> you know, do you like to play rock shows? You know, or uh, how long have you been playing your label? And it's not, it's not, it kind of thing that, like, it's wrong, but it is like, you know, I mean, you could Google this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and uh, I, I have seen for sure, like, sometimes artists get very kind of quiet and dismissive. And everyone thinks that they're being an asshole in the interview. And I'm not going to argue. I mean, you, you know, maybe they are being an asshole. But I think sometimes it's because the person interviewing them is, is, isn't, like, trying to get an original interview. They just kind of are going through a script, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. I, uh, so anyways, podcasts are sick because it's just a conversation. Right. You know? Yeah, I know. I remember we, we spoke about that at length, I think, the first time we spoke to you, just about the generic questions. And like, yeah, like I you told said, you how much I appreciated the interview. <laughs> yeah, like, like, like you said, you could just Google these things. I mean, <laughs> if if everyone's asking it, um, but I guess since since we are on the topic of vans, and you mentioned Warp Tour, and uh, just uh, m- making moves as an artist, you have a new album coming out. I'm telling you, as if you don't know, <laughs> it's uh, everything was sound. And as I think you revealed to me last time I spoke to you, and now I guess the cat's out of the bag, the album is about mental illness. So next to that question, all I have is the word discuss. (laughs) So please, please discuss. discuss. (laughs) Yeah. um, You know, so the night God slept started writing um, that song, I like to write about when I finished my undergraduate education. And then wanted to, uh, I got into psychology and as, as I was kind of, as I was like finishing up the psych program, we like finished the record and started to, um, figure out how to put it out. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I really wanted to write more substantially about mental illness, but I also knew that would be more difficult for me because, Mental illness gets it gets a little more personal and a little more emotional, I think. And I've always kind of wanted to write about like historical events, and you know, emotional is fine, but I don't want to be like, you know, uh, I mean, I think a lot of bands in our genre are often kind of writing about mental illness. I mean, primarily, I would say just depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind kind of the more. Uh, emotionally uh, loaded uh, disorders, uh, mood disorders. But, um, you know, I, I knew that I wanted to write about it, but I was also nervous because I was like, you know, I also want to talk about history. and I, I still want to talk about world events and politics and religion and God and, and, and uh, all these different uh, things. And so what, what I really realized is that my conception, I think all of our conception of mental illness is, is a little bit limited and it's very modernistic. And what, what I mean by that is we kind of have categories. You know, it's like, well, you have, you have bipolar, you know, uh, uh, type, type A, type B, or you um, suffer from a schizotypal disorder. And, and we have all these categories. And I understand why they exist so that, you know, mental health professionals can basically uh, have a shared language that corresponds to symptoms. But, but ultimately, I think a lot of things we don't see as mental illness because mental illness is very economic, uh, is very, you know, very much an economic term. Um, and what I mean by that is, uh, you know, someone's considered mentally ill if they are kind of unfit to fit in a society. And what that means is basically you're not being a productive member of society. You know, you're not, you're not someone who's buying things and, 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 and selling things or, or, or working, you know. And so a lot of people, I think, are very unwell. I mean, I'll be frank with you. I, I, I look at a lot of politicians, you know, D- Donald Trump being one of them. But I, there's a lot of them. But, like, I, I think Donald Trump has narcissistic personality disorder, like, straight up. Yeah. The only thing is he is he's a billionaire, um, and he, 
he can he doesn't need to get along with people. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? He can he can like lie and then say, No, I didn't say that but he has enough money and enough fame that like who's gonna like how's that actually hurting him, you know? And so you know, we, we would look at him and say, well, he doesn't actually have a mental disorder. You know, that guy in the street has a mental disorder. But maybe that guy in the street didn't inherit millions of dollars. Right. Um, yeah, a small loan of a million dollars. Yeah, a small loan, you know. And, and it, it's, uh, it's not to, like, criticize anyone. I mean, trust me, I, I, I don't think that it, either of the two major party candidates were given are, are fit to be president or uh, are safe people to trust. Uh, but I guess what I'm trying to say is... Um, uh, a lot of things like, uh, I mean, you know, uh, fear of fear of people of a whole religion or our belief that, you know, maybe it is okay to have a military presence in a certain country if it guarantees us oil contracts and it keeps us, you know, with low gas prices. Like these kinds of things uh, that a lot of people would accept as normal, I would say are actually sick, which I would say like, uh, I, I would want to think of mental illness not so much as like, you know, do you fit into society? But like, are you able to uh, to treat all human beings with dignity, love, and respect? Um, and so, I think there's a lot of social illnesses. And I think a really damning example of how we have a culture in America that breeds a disorder that we see as a disorder is anorexia nervosa. It's 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 easily the most lethal uh, mental disorder because uh, lots of young women are dying from it every year. And uh, I think it really goes back to uh, how we see sex, how we see food, how we see body image, how 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 beauty is something that's sold in magazines, how um, perfectionism, you know, and, and this idea that like if I get the smaller I get, the closer to perfect I get. Where in reality, that's that's sick. Um, and you see that, you know, and, and it's uh, it's really I think you see our culture becoming embodied in the lives of uh, young women who uh, should be having the time of their lives in high school, but instead are starving themselves to death and um, thinking that it'll make them more beautiful and more desired. And so all, all that to say, you know, I, I think some, I, I'm really interested in that intersection of psychology, which we normally see as a private practice, and then sociology or really looking at the world that we live in and, and, and wanting to see maybe, I don't know, you know, think of mental illness as a culture-wide thing. And that's kind of what we did with some of these songs and what also I think enabled me to continue to write uh, stuff that isn't just about my own experience or just one person's experience, but kind of a culture. And so some songs I think are a little more as to what you, you consider the private illnesses, and some of them are maybe more of the public illnesses. Um, you know, what, one example of private might be schizophrenia um, uh, or, or, you know, suicide, but then it would have very cultural uh, things too. But then, yeah, it will go all the way to maybe... Orphan, which is talking about our need for war and uh, our, our fear of each other. So, yeah, that's uh, that. Uh, that is my answer to discuss. Sorry about that. <laughs> that was also very long. That was very long. I apologize. No, that's no, fine. That's deep, answer. man. Yeah. And now a word from our sponsors. And we'd like to give a special shout out to our sponsor of the Bandverse Artist Podcast, Computer Sam. If you have problems with your tablet, your phone your computer, or pretty much anything electrical, Computer Sam's got your back. So check out computersam.nyc for more reasonably priced service for your electronics. Um, okay, so the record comes out on, was it July 1st? Uh, yeah, July 1st. July 1st. I think we'll and be in like, North Carolina or something when that happens. So you'll be in the middle already, or starting in the beginnings of Warp Tour, right? When does that kick off? Yeah, it kicks off, kicks off on June 24th. Um, it kicks off June 24th in uh, Dallas, Texas. And uh, yeah, so we'll just be like a weekend at Warp Tour. Oh, okay. And uh, so, so far, the early songs that you guys released... Was was first uh, Panic Room, then Skype, uh, Psychscape, and then Orphan. Um, I love I love the videos for for Panic Room and Orphan because like visually and lyrically, it's like uh, your videos. You guys like almost put out short movies, which I think is so awesome. And uh, Psychscape. Well, thank you so much for the credit for that. Goes to our good friend Kevin John. Makes it all possible, man. I'll tell you what he. 
we're very, very thankful to be able to work with him. So he does all your videos? Uh, well, he just started. Okay. Uh, Panic Room was his first music, his first independent music video ever. Huh. How crazy is that? Wow. wow. Yeah. yeah, that was his very first. And, uh, yeah, you'll be seeing a lot more videos for him. He actually just shot a video for Victor King, and he's going to go shoot a video for Aaron Gillespie's, like, solo stuff. Um, which I guess maybe all that stuff. Yeah, I don't think that's much that much of a secret. Anyways, he's uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he, he's very talented, and uh, he pours himself into his work. Man, he's so positive. He's so he's so good at communicating. And, and what what's cool is he he's done a great job of like I, I do get pretty involved. You know, I was like, well, what if we have these two men and stuff? And I'll have an idea, then he'll run with it, then I'll run with it. And as far as the writing goes, and the, kind of the overall story and stuff it's a very collaborative experience but then obviously she has the visual know-how to make it like look cool whereas i could only like i could never make that look very cool (laughs) yeah he's he's the man i i wanted to ask you it kind of just dawned on me like a song like panic room is is obviously about post-traumatic stress disorder now I know you you have you know your background on on psychology and things like that but for writing this next batch of songs, did you like speak to anyone who had some of these mental disorders, or is this like more oh, yeah. research Ab- or? Ab- absolutely, I, I would say what what's what's very meaningful about this record, and and hopefully for other people too, is um, you know, a lot of a lot of people, uh, a, a lot of our you know previous records. It was, it was very much like, you know, I'm like researching, I'm reading books, I'm looking articles up, you know, I, I, I was, I was, it was very private and, uh, because that was largely before we started touring like a lot when yeah. I started writing, writing the last record. What's cool about this record is, uh, a lot of the writing started in music venues, you know, pe- people coming up to me and telling me their story, specifically PTSD is probably, it was dedicated to our friend Gerald Clark, uh, who's still serving in the military and uh, saw um, some pretty horrific uh, combat situations in Afghanistan. And um, he had shared with me briefly his story, uh, and Nashville asked me to pray for him, but really we started corresponding over email and text, and that's when he really opened up and told me this insane story of uh, what, what having to uh, kill someone and uh, what, that, what his experience of that is. And he's so brave and honest and didn't, you know, omit details or or try to make it sound like, oh, you know, hoorah, I don't mind killing people. Because hmm. uh, in reality, you know, uh, killing people isn't, isn't what we were made to do. And uh, it does something to people, I think. And, and, and you know, what, so, you know, that, that, was, a, that was a song that uh, came out of uh, that. And uh, a lot of this record is inspired by other people. And by talking to them, still, still, some of them are more based on like characters, whether right. fictitious or historical. But yeah, this album I think is a lot more like personal in that way. And I hope that people see like, hey, man, this is your record, and this is what we want Silent Planet to be. We want it to be an invitation to collaborate, and we want people to feel um, to, to to be a part of it, not just feel a part of it. But we really do want people to be a part of this story because that's uh, been what keeps us going and it's fun for me after doing this for seven years yeah yeah and uh and the next track that you guys put out was psychscape and i know how much uh you love under oath and how much under oath has meant to you so having, having spencer on that track like what was that like how did that come about having spencer on the song was surreal um he's so good, um, so talented. Uh, everything, all of his vocal parts you hear on that record were almost all one take. And the funny thing about that is um, he, they weren't one take because he was like, hey guys, let's get this over with, you know, I'm busy. Like, he, he was super down. And like, he, I mean, we, we just spent the first couple hours of the whole time together, like just talking about the song, talking about lyrics, talking about the approach. And really, like, some of my lyrics changed because of his lyrics, and he had some ideas that changed when he saw my lyrics, and we really just hung out and ate Chinese food together for, like, a <laughs> few hours and talked about stuff. 
um, and then really got into the track. But, dude, when he started recording, he just was like, boom, and, and, and like, kills it. And we looked over, and he's like, hey, how's that? And we're all just like, <laughs> holy crap, we just watched Spitzer, like, <laughs> do things that I will never be able to do. <laughs> Uh, just, just really so talented, and so uh, collaborating with him was a pretty surreal experience, and uh, something that uh, we're so thankful for. Yeah, it's pretty cool. You actually got to do the collaboration in person. I know a lot of times it's like you get someone on a track, and they just go to a studio and they send you the files from wherever they are. But that's yeah, actually yeah, we cool. our, our our other guest vocalist on this record, which I don't actually know if we announced. This is probably the first time I said it is uh, Corey Brandon from Norma Jean. Okay, okay. And uh, he's on a song called Nervosa. And um, uh, it's funny because we actually knew him before this. We, we met Spencer uh, as he came to the studio. Now, now, now we're homies. But um, <laughs> it's kind of funny because with the whole, uh, with how everything went down, you know, with Corey Brandon, it was very like, uh, it was kind of like, you know, the, like we sent him a recording and stuff. And, you know, he... Uh, uh, he, we collaborated over over text and email and stuff, but but we we, we have a previous history with uh, with each other of like touring and stuff. So it was it was it was you know uh, it was a, a bit more. But, you know, he was in Minneapolis and then Arkansas when he did it. Sorry, he's a little puppy. Now. <laughs> a little puppy barking. <laughs> he's under attack, everyone. Uh, did did you get to catch Under Oath uh, on the last on their Rebirth tour? Yes, uh, yeah, we we saw them play in at So What Fest, uh, which we were also playing that day. So uh, that was they were the obviously the grand the finale of <laughs> So What Fest this year in Dallas, Texas. And uh, unfortunately, it's the only one we got to see because we were on tour. So any of the shows they came to California, we were somewhere else. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was great to see them. Cool. I was I, I definitely crowd surfed during. <laughs> Uh, dangerous business. Nice. And uh, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was cool. It was very cool. I was crowd surfing, and Spencer like uh, saw me. And he like smiled at me, and he was like, "You, you dirty dog." <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was cool. It, it was great. Those guys are awesome, and it's a really big shout out. Working with Spencer kind of came out of our our friendship with Chris, their their keyboardist, which, as a lot of people know. It's probably the nicest dude in like a famous band you'll ever see. He's just like, he's like the ultimate like homie. Like he's always just been the dude like standing outside of venues, hanging out with kids, just like so 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 cool. And uh, kind of funny because since since Underworld first broke up and now he's gone from being like a kind of pudgy dude to being like the most yeah, athletic yeah. freak in the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I- but he's just he's still the same sweet softy. I can't believe he doesn't have brain damage from the way he headbangs yeah. on the, on oh, the I keyboard. Know. And that he still has a keyboard left. Yeah, that he still has the keyboard. We we saw them in, in New Jersey, and one of our friends actually got like his head busted open. In the pit, um, yeah. Yeah, in the pit. And he took a nice bloody selfie in the bathroom and then went back <laughs> into the pit. So, shout yeah, out to so our friend Ricky. You made it onto the <laughs> podcast, Ricky. Shout out to Ricky, dude. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's Chris. He's always he's always been just so so all about loving loving people's shows, positivity, man. Um, really, has done 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 a lot. I think to be like the very the, the I mean, they're all cool dudes. He's such a human face. It's such a like almost immortalized project. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, that's awesome. And um, to kind of switch gears a little bit, and I guess it's still on the mental illness topic, um, let's talk a little bit about your thoughts on the recent tragedies that have happened in Florida. With you, you First, you, you had uh, Christina Grimmie, the singer, who was gunned down by somebody who actually, today I read an article, had like some mental obsession with her. And then you had what happened in the Orlando nightclub. Um, so I guess, I guess, what are your thoughts on on that as sort of as a I guess as a mental illness or as a you know a tragedy? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'd say the most 
disappointing part of how most of these things go down for me is it's so easy for people to politicize this so quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and yeah, it's not to say that you know it's not it's not a matter of like could more guns or less guns have prevented this tragedy or a, a matter of uh, you know like are some Muslims or no Muslims terrorists or whatever like whatever people feel like the issue at hand is. I think I think what we see with this whole thing though is um, it's very very difficult for people in America to, to mourn tragedies and um, it's I this is something that I, I remember psychology professors talking to me about how we don't really know how to mourn the loss of life in a society that's so fast paced and productive it's like we, we quickly like while people are still like fighting for their life in their hospital instead of like you know talking about those people we quickly want to know okay who did it why did he do it and like what do the politicians say about it? Mm-hmm. And, oh, you disagree mm-hmm. with me about this thing, so we're not friends anymore? That's like, holy shit, like, we just experienced the incredible tragedy of the culture, and people are getting more divided by that. Like, that that's how hate wins, you know? Like, when, when you know, when all of a sudden, I don't know, like, people who were friends or, you know, like, people in the same music scene all of a sudden, like, start calling each other names and thinking each other are stupid because they disagree about gun control. Like, like that, that sucks. That really sucks. But that, that's how we deal with these things. And I would say a lot of it's the news entertainment industry. And it's entertainment. I, a lot of the times it's not news. But they, they, they really excite that. You know, they say, well, did you know that Democrats think this? Like, well, Democrats are stupid. You should be really mad about that. Or same thing, you know, did you know that those stupid, like, conservative Christian or guy, you know, like, you know, rednecks in the deep south are, are saying this right now about Muslims. Like, man, like, find a conservative person today and tell them they suck. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's just so, so, so crazy. And um, it's one of those things that absolutely, like, political measures could be taken to make things better. And anytime I've ever brought that up in South Planet, people are like, oh, so you just want to sit around and pray about it? Or you just want to sit around and feel sad you don't want to do anything? Well, it's like, no, but I also don't want to be an asshole on the internet. Like, hmm. I don't think that's going to do anything for us either. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, at least pointing out that we, I think we have a real spiritual deficiency um, that makes it difficult for us to, like, deal with these things uh, is, is probably a huge part of the problem. It makes it worse that a lot of religious people are blaming other religions that are saying, oh, well, gay people are bad. Anyway, just, like, really disgusting wrong things off, off that, too. So, you know, it's it's... It's one of those things that I, 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 I definitely don't even have the answer know what to say. And, and when it happens, I just got on our Facebook and posted the link to donate blood for anyone support and said, hey, you know, please do that and let us give you some merch. And, and I guess if you're hearing that, it still stands. So if you're in Florida or in that general region and, and you want to, um, and you're listening to this and you're able to donate blood, please do. Uh, you can go to oneblood.org and make an appointment because... Sometimes they need blood, sometimes they don't, but when they don't have the blood that they need, which usually happens a couple of weeks after the tragedies, after everyone forgets about it, um, it's still a huge need, and there's going to be people who are in the hospital for years now because of this. And, you know, uh, if, if you want to really do something, man, giving blood's a great way to do it. So, yeah, anyways, that, that's sorry for that quick plug, but that, that's kind of my thought. No, that's, that's awesome. That really is awesome because it's just, uh, I like... And, and uh, not just because, you know, we're, we're talking to you now, but I like how sort of your mind works that as you're explaining to us not to get on social media and kind of talk about your feelings right away, that your first instinct was to tell people to just go give blood at the end of your uh, what you were saying. So that was pretty cool. So thank, yeah, you, I mean, for, thank I, you for that. I, def- I, I definitely had... By the time it happened, people were already, like, half the tweets I saw were about gun control whatever. I mean, definitely the most disgusting thing I saw was Donald Trump, basically, more or less. I, I don't remember the tweet, but says, like, you know, I, I, I already said that this would happen, so something, something, something about immigration yeah, or guns or whatever. Pretty much an I told you so. Like, yeah. yeah, it was pretty much an I told you so. And, and I don't think that's me putting words in the situation. I, I forget the exact tweet, but it was definitely, like, 
it was it was a childish. I told you so. I don't think there's any way around it. And that that was pretty disgusting. Uh, and it she kind of epitomized the problem. It's not that she was the only person doing the I told you so. Right. You know, um, I I've learned the hard way that anytime you speak ill, like let's say you say, well, I think Hillary Clinton uh, lies a lot, which uh, I think you could back up. Uh, if you say that, people automatically think that you're you're a Donald Trump supporter, and they say, well, she's better than Trump. Or you say, you know, Donald Donald Trump is uh, he's bordering on fascism right now as he's talking about like media not being able to like say what they want to say, and people are like, well, anyone but Hillary Clinton, and it's just like, yo, like <laughs> both of these people suck, but I should, you know, you should be able to speak your mind about one person lying without being told, well, this person also lies, so that kind of makes it okay, or that <laughs> makes it, you know, something that 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 isn't worth talking about. It's like, dude, we're not going to get anywhere as long as we're, like, stuck with two options. Right. And any time we, we try to, like, deconstruct what's going on or saying, like, dude, this, uh, these options are, are really, really not. Either of them, I don't think, are healthy for democracy. People are quickly going to be, like, yeah, you know, assuming that that means that you're on the other side. It's like, dude, should I just be on humanity's side real quick <laughs> and say that I don't want any of this? And, like, I'm not going to vote for either of these? It's, it's like that South Park episode with, like, the giant douche. Uh, or the douche <laughs> and the giant turd. Do you remember that? Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> it was like that, that was the most brilliant metaphor for American elections. Like these kids at the elementary school have to vote between the douche and the turd for like their <laughs> school mascot. <laughs> they predicted the future. That episode really did predict the future. It it really did. I I I'm trying to think. Did, did it come out? Um. Did it come out before? Uh, was that for the Romney-Obama election, or was that Obama-McCain? I, I, might, I think it might have been Obama-McCain. Okay, I feel like yeah, that's a pretty an old one. one. Yeah, Yeah, 2008, yeah. And who that knows, wasn't I mean, nearly knows, as bad as what what's now. <laughs> yeah, Yeah. I, I not even, I mean, that is a statistical fact that an election has never been so bad. You just look at the, dis, the, 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 the disapproval or the, you know, strongly dislike side, and I think Trump when I saw it was at an all-time high, he was at 62%, and Clinton was the second highest, and she was at, like, 58 or something. So, pretty, pretty remarkable. I mean, I, I, I've never actually seen anyone say, I love Donald Trump. I've only seen people say, you know, uh, better than Hillary. And I've seen very few people say they love Hillary, and they just simply say, no, she's not Trump. So yeah. it, it's, it's pretty weird when, like, and it's sad. I, I think it shows a real lack of creative imagination. For sure. I think if you ever, if I ever had a doubt that uh, the culture in America does not lend itself to creative problem solving, I would show you this election and show you, like, the arguments being pretty five-year-olds. You know, like, I don't like this person because they did this and it's wrong. It's like, yeah, well, your person did this. You know, it's just so wild. It's like, man, this is, this sucks. We're supposed to be adults here. And, uh, and, uh, I don't know. I think it reflects a lot of uh, our imagination. <laughs> yeah. It's it's funny you say that about Trump because, uh, you know, we're we're in New York City, so we're obviously it's a very oh, yeah. democratic city. But where we actually live, um, have you heard of Staten Island? Staten Stat- Island. Uh, yeah, I've heard of it. I don't really know what it is. <laughs> yeah, so Staten Island is, is one of the... Is what they call it the forgotten borough of New York City. So while while you have like Brooklyn and Manhattan and Queens and the Bronx, they're all super democratic. Staten Island is super conservative. Well, for the most part. So when you drive around over here, you actually see like the Trump signs on people's lawns, and there's a lot of people on Staten Island that are like hardcore Donald Trump. So interesting. So, so when when we go on our Facebooks, it's either. It's either um, people still um, hoping for Bernie Sanders or it's people saying Trump all the way. And it's almost zero percent of anybody supporting Hillary Clinton. I've, I've <laughs> never seen anybody in, on any social media site of, of mine, you know, any friends or followers yeah. just say, uh, this is my candidate. I'm with her. I've never seen someone say that. I saw like one person and it's because and my theory is it's because she was um, born in Illinois. And now lives in New York City, <laughs> but but actual New Yorkers, it's like the Bernie Sanders for the for the young people, uh, mostly the young people, and then Donald Trump for the older uh, 
conservative Staten Island people. Um, yeah. Oh man. I, yeah. I mean, America's very divided, and I, you know, people are also people are sick of having the same old out of Washington D.C. I think, and so I, I think part of what's going on too is people just want want uh, something different, something new, and uh, you know, I. I personally think that Bernie Sanders was exciting. Um, I, it's weird because I, I don't agree with a lot of his um, uh, more socialist-leaning policies. Um, I just, and I, I have a lot of actually libertarian friends who like were okay with the idea of Bernie Sanders. It's funny because socialism and libertarianism obviously are opposite economic theories, mm-hmm. um, and we'll just govern their opposite government theories. But where, where that came into place, I think a lot of people finally saw someone who was being honest and, like, actually believes what they're saying, you right. know, has been saying the same thing for a long time and was being an independent, which I, I really think is cool, you know, that he wasn't really just, like, um, doing what he was told to by his Democratic or Republican overlords, but he was just, like, you know, uh, acting on his conscience. And, you know, you, you see stuff like him, you know, getting dragged out by cops for protesting segregating housing and it's just like you know how can you not um how can you not be moved at least by that person's humanity and compassion and i can't help but think i'd rather have a president you know struggle to pass any of these bills with congress but at the end of the day know that like a a, a legitimate human is in office than like either of these two uh you know more or less i'd say moral monsters that that Hmm. that we're being faced with (laughs) All right, so I guess to wrap it up, I have one final uh, question for you that has nothing to do yes. with <laughs> politics or music or anything. This totally. is, uh, uh, I guess, a theological question. Uh-oh. Um, yeah, uh-oh. Um, so I, I've noticed more and more, um, even even artists that would be considered in the, the Christian artist spectrum, there's lots of people um, really struggling and coming to grips with the idea of a God being real and a God existing. Yeah, of course. And, and when you have tragedies like things that happen in Orlando or you even have uh, the craziness of humanity just found in the election that makes you feel like there can't be a God. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. What, what would be your, I guess thought or concept to say this is how I can prove that there is a God? Um, I would say that I can't. Um, just as much as I don't think anyone can prove that there is no God, because proving, proving a negative isn't really possible. Um, I, I would say to people, I can't prove that there is a God. Um, I think that in my interpretation of uh, so much of what we see in the world of, of tragedy, of, of loss, of, of the, you know, incredibly remarkable fact that, like, we're floating in this, in this like, sheer rock uh, through, through, uh, through time and space and uh, that we exist, even though the conditions for life are pretty uh, insane, you know, uh, yeah. the more that science we learn about science. You know, it's more than just oxygen or, or, or distance from the sun. There's, there's, uh, I think over a hundred at this point uh, necessary conditions for for life, and we, we know of maybe, maybe a couple other planets that that would be possible in the entire galaxy. And so I, I think there's definitely there's something pretty pretty special happening. And I do think that if science goes further, uh, that uh, that atheism perhaps what will be slightly of more abandoned uh, in favor of like agnostic or, uh, not agnosticism you know uh, that that people will will be like yeah there's, there's something going on but I'm probably not going to find it in organized religion and I would tell people you know I think that's probably true I think that organized religion will mostly die at least as we see it in its current form because organized religion um, very often fails to integrate. And I, I believe that there's different movements of humanity. And uh, so uh, science was obviously born out of modernism, the idea that everything can be reduced to explainable parts. Mm-hmm. And uh, emergent properties don't under, don't exist, and there's more or less like a, a binary 
understanding of how everything works. And, and I think that shows with, uh, for instance, our American political imagination is very modernistic. But do you want A or B? Do you want her or him? You know, um, and I believe that we're moving, uh, that philosophy in literature has, and art has moved into postmodernism. And uh, understanding science in postmodernism is much more difficult. And, uh, but it is happening with quantum physics, a lot of people would say. Um, and it's happening with uh, uh, string theory, just a different, different, like, very kind of trippy things that aren't, aren't quite as much about reducing club parts, but actually trying to understand the emergent properties. I believe neuroscience actually will be moving from modernism to postmodernism as we understand that there's these emergent properties happening and the electrical outputs of the brain, and, and you can't understand them in a binary system. Uh, and, and then finally, I believe um, there's the integrative movement of humanity, and that's understanding uh, understanding the oneness of things. And that's not to sound like some crazy, uh, you know, um, person who, like, lights incense and, and smokes <laughs> weed and, and, and just sits in their living room all day, but, but to understand how everything is connected and to understand that... Um, I believe uh, organized religion will kind of fail because it's it's very modernistic still, and I believe an integrative spirituality involves understanding God through art, through science, through history, through literature, through relationships, through through the brain, and understanding God um, everywhere. And so I think, for me, uh, I, I I I would I feel like I would be misleading people to say like this is who God is and this is how I can prove God because I would be entering into like a very modernistic discourse, if that makes sense. And I want people to understand the fullness and the dynamic nature of God who is bigger than even Christianity. And that's not to say I I am a Christian, so I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and I believe that if you want to know who God is, you you, you come closer to Jesus, that Jesus is the path to God. Um, And Jesus is God. And and, and so coming to know Jesus is to know God. However, um, the word Christianity, obviously, is, is, a, is a loaded term, full of history, full of uh, different politics, full of different uh, very sad things and very cool things, you know. But um, it's, it's a very particular movement in humanity, and I want, people to, I want people to know Jesus of the gospel without even feeling like they have to go through organized religion to know God. But I think a lot of people might not use all these silly terms like modernism, postmodernism, e- e- uh, uh, integrative spirituality. A lot of people won't use these terms, but that's essentially what I hear kids saying around venues around America right now. You know, I hear them saying, like, I, you know, I can't, um, I can't believe that God would just be, you know, like, I just have to go to this church and do this, mm-hmm. and I'll know God. Because that's true. There's no experience with how a lot of people see religion. Now, to, that's, that has to be said. There's a lot of a lot of people in a lot of religions who know God a lot better than I ever will. So it's it's not that um, religion is the antithesis of knowing God as much as I think for some people they have a sense that that they need that that if there's a God they would want to know God in a very real and dynamic way. And I encourage those people to to, to read the gospel and to try to block out everything that you know they've been taught. Like, oh, well, this means this or for, you know, if you start believing in Jesus, you got to start doing this and just come to know, like, the fullness um, and come to know, like, the absolute revolution that Jesus started. Because I do believe that Jesus started a revolution, and this revolution is the only revolution that will live on. I think Bernie Sanders is great, but Bernie Sanders' revolution will die. It's already kind of dying, to be honest. But um, the, the revolution of Jesus and this, this third-way approach to our binaries and and the seeing all people as humans and, you know, tearing down the veil in half that says only a priest can know God and then the priest can tell us about God and saying, God loves all and all can know God. Jesus, Jesus left this earth saying, you will do even greater things in my name. But Jesus raised the dead. So it's like, well, I don't even know what that means, like greater things, because that was pretty great. <laughs> um, and, you know, feeding... Uh, feeding thousands with uh, five loaves and two fish, that's pretty great. And to think that, that, we're, that uh, we'd be called into such a radical spirituality um, that, that, that that would happen, it's like, man, like, I think we're only, we're, we've only reached 
like barely, barely, barely the cut of, of, of what Jesus was talking about. Um, and for some people, I do think religion's got in the way of that. So all that to say, man, in the wake of all this, I want people to know the radical relationship that I've found. But that's not, that's not something that um, I can ever point them towards a single system. And uh, I don't feel guilty saying that because I don't want to mislead anyone. But I do want people to know that, um, that uh, anything good I've ever seen in my life and all creativity in my life has come from a divine experience of Jesus. Um, so, yeah. As, as usual, you, you do not disappoint me with the knowledge that you decide to drop on answering a question. <laughs> well, I, 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 hope, I hope I wasn't going on too long, but I guess sometimes I have things that I feel like make sense, but then it means you have to say something else, and then you have to say something else, and then all of a sudden you're talking for 10 minutes and feeling like an idiot. No, I'm sorry about that. That was all great. <laughs> I think what's, what's frustrating for me is like kind of coming from a... Uh, very conservative Christian background and not necessarily orthodox, yeah. but conservative in a way where like, I think that's what you were speaking about is closer to the way I understand it now and the way I'm kind yeah. of willing to understand it. But what's frustrating is if you were to try to speak like that to someone who's in the church now, they're not going to listen to you. They're not going to give you the time of day because they're still so stuck in the, or, the idea of organized religion that it's anything that's even slightly um, contra- anything that slightly contradicts the black and white is just kind of dismissed as not true or not yeah. possible. Yeah, you get the, oh, he's just lost or they're just lost. Uh, you got to pray for them to come back or whatever. But like on, on, the, on the other spectrum, that person is trying to have like this real experience too. It's like, it's like, I don't feel lost. Like just because you, you're hearing, I guess if you want to say that you're hearing from God in, in one way, maybe God has been revealed to, you know, you in a certain way and you don't feel like that you're wrong. You feel like you're hearing and and being led by something else. But as, as Patrick, as Patrick said, if, if you go against the status quo, you're, uh, this person's lost, uh, or they're new age, or they're, you know, this or that, or they, they yeah, just don't, it, it, they don't a, know. It's, it's a lot of us versus them. It's a lot of, like, you know, people are tracking with you, and then you say a certain word that, you know, they've been told anyone who says this word is, like, out to get them, and then, and then, and then you lose them, and then they begin to fear you. They begin to see you as other, you know, uh, just in the same mentality as, like, if you criticize Donald Trump or something, people are like, oh, you're just another stupid libtard or something. And it's like, <laughs> wow, you know, like, like I said something that was out of your, out of your scope of, of how you see things. And, and so now, now you have hatred for me or you have fear towards me. And I think, you know, man, if, if, if God is who God is discussed to be in the Bible, and if God is, is truly eternal, and it's truly fully knowing and fully powerful and fully loving. Um, and, and, and Jesus is, because Jesus said he was, and, and, and what is said to be said about Jesus is true, man. Like, <laughs> God is so great and so infinite that there's no way that we, I think, could ever, like, logically look at any, any of our situations, any church, and say, like, well, we're perfect, or we have definitive knowledge. Or like you were saying, people have different perspectives. Like, what if both things are true? You know, we create situations where it's like, well, either this person has it right or this person has it right. But what if they both have it right? What if, like, infinity doesn't correspond to our logic, you know? That things that we see, like, we see is, like, you're either going left or right. But infinity is so great that infinity is just like, dude, there's no left or right. Like, they're, they're, like, like there's God. And... and, and Man, like, it, it sucks. Dude, we, we put out this orphan music video, and I saw, like, probably four or five different people being, like, either, like, I thought Sound Planet was a Christian, or, like, this guy's so annoying. Like, he says he's a Christian, but now he, he's clearly a liberal. And it's so sad. It's like, man, like, to me, that disrespects uh, not only, like, what God is teaching me, but in return, God. And I've done that so many times, dude. I, I've looked at conservative churches. Or, uh, or other cultures, or uh, whatever, and, and I've said, like, well, there's no way that's right. And I feel like I disrespected 
what God is teaching them and in return disrespect to the image of God, if that makes sense. And uh, I get asked all the time, yeah, well, yeah, you say shit and you're a Christian. And it's like, dude, like, say shit, you can say fuck. Uh, the, the, issue is, the issue is disrespect. I, I think it's ten times worse to say that person sucks or that person's stupid, um, that person's an idiot, than it is to say, like, the word shit. Because it's like a curse is when you're cursing someone, when you're saying, like, you are flawed, the, I don't see the image of God in you, you're worthless. That, that's dangerous, and, and that's hell to me. That, that's satanic, you know, that, that is to, to, to accuse someone, to throw something at them. And, uh, man, yeah, don't even get me started on the negativity of this world. It's <laughs> the music scene, dude. Everyone just always putting each other down. It's and true, it's yeah. Like, it's, uh, and it's cool. I, I also see a lot of other things. Yeah, I was here with the guys from Parachute, and they're, like, the most positive, most, like, just, like, stoked on whatever. Like, Ghost Key goes out and plays, like, some, some pretty, you know, uh, some, some straightforward kind of melodic hardcore jams. And then we come out with our weird, I don't even know what music we're playing. And they're just into all of it, dude. And then they go up and they play, like, an interesting mix of, like, thrash music with some really catchy choruses. And, like, they're just, like, positive. And you can see why they're having so much fun and why people love them so much. Because it's just, like, it's just goodness, dude. Um, it's, 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 it's joy. Those dudes are experiencing real joy. And they don't identify as a Christian band. But, like, I've definitely worshipped to their, their, their set before just watching them just go crazy hmm. and Caleb's jumping around like, holy shit. <laughs> it's, just like, it's so fun and it's so infectious and it's so real. And I'd say the same about our friends in sport today. Like, man, like just great musicians having a good time. It's incredible. All right, good. Awesome, man. And it's funny you said not to get you started. Well, I, I do usually like have a conversation with you every like six months or so so we could save that for next time <laughs> yeah um, yeah no to- totally man we, yeah so love it. so uh, i guess what are your i know you gave a lot of thoughts do you have any final thoughts <laughs> for us before oh, God. before we before we go i guess i guess uh I've, I've, i feel like i've punished you with enough monologues man i <laughs> i feel i feel bad but no. i did i i appreciate you guys having me I appreciate anyone who's made it through an hour of my very California stoner-sounding voice. You know, I've never <laughs> smoked, smoked weed in my life, and I've been straight edge my whole life. I'm aware that I very much do sound like a stoner, and I don't know why God made God decided to like because I mean, it, I just God to never uh, like take mind-altering substances. Uh, I guess I kind of break out with caffeine, but you know, uh, <laughs> other other substances and. Uh, uh, for some reason, God decided to make that pact with the kid who would also grow up and sound like a, a stoner. <laughs> you're just, who knows why? You're it's just humor, fitting dude. the the metal the metal core uh, frontman look. <laughs> you're, you're just you're just doing you're just doing what you're supposed to be doing as somebody who's on warp tour. It's it's you're just blending in. Right, dude. You're chameleon. You're like warp tour, bro. <laughs> sick. Throw him the shotgun. And, you know, <laughs> when uh, when are you actually writing a book about your thoughts? on stuff uh, I do want to write a book I don't I don't think it wouldn't be yeah well I do want to write a book and in, in and I have started writing uh, and it's in it's in the it's in the vein of Silent Planet of like stories and politics and culture and stuff and it's it's, it's, it's very much fictional I think uh yeah I, yeah, I would say it's 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 it's, it's fiction, uh, with a lot of, I think things that I think are true. But I don't. I, I once had a fiction professor tell me, that fiction is actually the truest form of writing and the most honest form of writing, um, which I thought was interesting. And uh, some someday I'll elaborate on why she said that. But yeah, I I think fiction is very very honest in a way that a biography or autobiography is not. So, yeah. All right, so then we'll we'll leave it at that, and we'll save that for next time. But uh, when, do, awesome. I I think I checked your tour schedule. You guys, you're not going to be stopping through New York City, right, this time around? No, I don't know. I know that Warps does a few New York dates, like ones in Syracuse and ones in like ones in uh, somewhere else in New York, right? But I don't know the closest one. Is it is it in like Long Island area? 
I'm, I'm not sure. I know Syracuse is like eight hours from us. Syracuse is far, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I know Syracuse is Sorry, like I won't be seeing side. you. <laughs> I, I think I think there's there, there's a warp day, and I feel like when I looked it up, so I'm curious, I never heard. It's one of those very, like, uh, very unique names. I think it's a native name, and I think that it's, um, I, I looked it up, and it looked like it was in, the, like, Long Island or, like, Amityville area. Okay. Um, okay but, but I'm not sure. But obviously something like Warp definitely wouldn't be, like, in New York City because uh, just, you know, it needs so much space. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, then, I guess until the next time I see you in person or have a conversation with you on the phone, uh, I guess we'll, we'll figure that out then. But thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, on the thank podcast. you. Thank, thank you. Everyone, it's, again, it's if, if you just decide to listen to the end of the podcast, we spoke to uh, Garrett Russell of Silent Planet. I almost call you um, um, Silent Garrett all the time because of Twitter. <laughs> um, I, that's, that's fine. I've definitely... <laughs> Silent Garrett guy. Call me that. But, um, call me that before. All right. Well, thanks so much, man. Thanks for uh, hey, sharing thank your you. heart with us. And, uh, oh, thanks. Thank I, you for having me. Can't wait for this album to drop and to, to see what kind of feedback you guys got. I haven't heard it yet. I gotta, I gotta, I guess I'll tell Jerry to hit me up with a link, but, um, Oh yeah. Um, or you can text me. I, I, I can just send it to you. There's, this, uh, we, we made like an ink plot movement for every video with like the lyrics, kind of how we did with Psychicate. Okay. And, um, so I have a whole video of just one continuous video of the whole album. So I can send that to you. It's like a, send me a link. All right. I'll, I'll text you because I definitely want to hear it. But uh, <laughs> again, again, uh, thanks, thanks for coming on, man, and uh, good luck with of this course. upcoming tour and the record, and and Thank you. keep killing it, man. Thank you so much, man. I, I I really appreciate it. Yeah, we'll we'll be talking soon. Thank you for uh, for for having me on your podcast and 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 in advance for listening to our album. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Cool, man. Have a good night. All right. See ya. You too, brother. Hey, bless you guys. Bye. All right. Bye. You too. All right. So that was Garrett Russell of the hard rock band Silent Planet. They have a new album coming out on July 1st. And uh, that was a really intense, insightful, and very awesome interview, Patrick. That it was. He was a very bright young man. He's definitely very well read, very well... uh educated and uh, as you said very insightful I think that was one of the most in-depth interviews we've had this far yeah we only asked him like four questions yeah too. we got it we got a whole hour, hour I mean we, yeah. we branched off on it of course Dylan misses all the good things <laughs> that we do um, so sorry Dylan but that that's our shout out quota for the day we had Dylan and we, we mentioned Ricky which Ricky too yeah so that's two that's it um, I'm not sure who our next interview will be. We, we have a couple people that I'm working on with no um, determined dates of when they will be joining us on the podcast. But I will say that, as always, we're just going to keep getting uh, more and more really cool people and having awesome conversations about things that really matter and are relevant and are interesting to everybody. I mean, because they're interesting to us and we'd like to think that you guys would be interested in what we're interested in. And I'm sure it's nice for people to kind of get inside the minds of their the artists that they like. I mean, that's really what this podcast is all about. And to, and to I mean, especially with Garrett, to, to get that much of what he thinks and believes is probably it's not something you can see in a, in a regular interview it's much more in depth yeah and like we joked about you know lots of interviews is like what's the name of your band yeah what's the name of your album where's the concept from how did you just these are all things you can google and uh or read in another you know article or they're just the generic questions that a lead singer actor whoever you are is probably answering 50 times a day on every interview that they do. So we want to make sure that we are never that person. And we'll just come out and ask a broad question like, uh, how do you prove God exists? <laughs> um, which, you know, that probably doesn't happen in an interview in, no. in a Rolling Stone magazine. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so we're, we're just going to do that because, and this isn't, you know, a, a Christian podcast or 
a podcast where we talk about theology, but it's something that uh, everyone sort of has an opinion on, and uh, you know, you kind of pick and choose who you want to have these conversations with. So uh, anyway, this has been the Band vs. Artist podcast. I am Justin. This is Patrick. And uh, Dylan, we pour one out to you. Pour one out to the homies. Uh, Garrett. Garrett. Yes, your name's Garrett. I almost said Silent Garrett again. Again. Uh, Garrett, again, thanks for joining us. Check out Silent Planet. They're awesome. And uh, that's it. We'll talk to you guys next time. Peace. See Marshmallows. Oh, the band versus artist podcast is brought to you by none other than Lucky Charms. Oh, they're magically delicious. Please don't sue us. <laughs>